Welcome to an original series, the podcast celebrating our favorite TV shows behind the paywall. I am your host, Patch, and with me back to talk about episode two of season one of Invincible is my best friend and co-host for this series, Aaron. Hello, hello. Happy it's good to, to see you again. Good to have you on, as always. It's Thank fun. you. Yeah. Wasn't murdered in the uh, time between episodes one and two, so that's a positive. There's a high likelihood that, that could have happened based off of what we saw at the end of the episode and, you know the blood was not toned down really at all for episode two. I think your prediction or maybe your hope was completely wrong. Okay, let's get back to normal. Now, let's not get back to normal. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to getting to the conversation. So let's, uh, let's drop right into it. We have a cold open, uh, much to your chagrin. I think you, uh, you like these cold opens. You like the fact that I do, I enjoyed it and it would enjoy it a lot more if it made any sense at all. Okay. Yeah. I want to ask you this question. <laughs> Officer Steve is back, and he and his son are at Buckingham Palace, so we've got that continuity of that of that story that he was telling, taking his son out. Remember that from the oh, first episode? Oh, I wondered who this guy was. Yes, Officer so Steve. he was the same yeah. guard from the first episode. Okay. Yeah, the overly emotional one played by John Hamm. Yeah. And they're looking at Buckingham Palace, and they get attacked by Burger Mart burgers? Like, nothing from the episode ever goes back to that. Like, I don't know what that is. I was waiting the entire episode, wonder like it made no sense. There has to be some reason. I refuse to believe it was just. There's nothing funny about it to me. I mean, it just transitions from the blood or from the ketchup into blood. Yeah, visually speaking, into the next scene, but it made no sense. No, whatsoever, and I was completely confused. I, I, <laughs> I was too, because you're right. The transition was, I guess, clever, but unnecessary. Like, we could have just dropped right into this bloody aftermath of the Guardian's bodies sploon, sploon, flown, whatever, all over the floor. And it introduces us to some soldiers who apparently can make themselves visible and invisible. I think that's kind of a cool thing. I don't think it's necessarily a power. I think it's more like they have suits. And then they find that Omni-Man is alive, and this dude with a scar enters this is who we find out is cecil i, I like this guy i, I like the sort of interesting character he is played by a guy named walter goggins i don't know if you know who he is aaron oh yeah I'm very familiar with him so he was on a show called the unicorn which we really enjoyed my wife and i did um and then we're back in the grayson home debbie's worried about nolan as she should be because you know you're married to a superhero uh, he didn't come home last night for obvious reasons she then finds out that Nolan is being cared for at some superhuman hospital. I, I never find out what this is. I think it's like sort of the Pentagon for superheroes or this super secret base underground that may not be underground. It may be behind a Walmart or something, but it's this place where they are all there and everything is just normal besides the fact that Omni-Man is unconscious and beaten up. But like, oh yeah, it's the superhero hospital. We're doing all we can to take care of him, Deb. You know, everything's good. And she's like, leave the cot. You know, I'm going to stay here. It just, it's that sort of normal, not normal, like superhero normal that we're getting used to as, as the episodes progress. But that's where she finds out that he's been hurt, that the guardians have been 
killed and that Nolan was the only survivor. I put shocker in the notes because obviously we know what happened. Yeah. So it's just kind of like establishing shots here for, for us to know where we're at. So very quick couple of scenes. Donald, this other guy, tells Cecil about an attack happening and then we're in downtown. This is where the fun starts for me. Like this is this is good stuff. And and I was really excited to see this. Yeah, I mean I, I really like the opening personally. I thought it was it's definitely brutal. I mean you see body parts and there's a guy when he walks in in his like invisible form, he steps on an eyeball and smushes it. it was, <laughs> I, I just last night I was describing some things very similarly in uh, Dungeons and Dragons game to my players when they were killing some zombies. So I was like, hey, that's exactly what I said they did to that zombie last night. So that's kind of funny, but it, it, I enjoy the lore buildup in this first scene because now we know there's this global defense agency that works with the superheroes, these humans that are on the same team and this you're right it did look like a pentagon i thought it was the pentagon it might have been the pentagon uh, and just actually had some sort of like a superhero wing but they have like this revive superhero revival medical unit watching them try to take the head of a superhero and somehow keep it safe so they could get it back on the body i, I thought those things were really interesting And I was bummed to hear when they said they couldn't save any of them because it looked like they had some cool tech that might have been able to bring them back. And then I also really appreciated in that scene the moment where his wife does push back on the doctors and says, no, like, I'm staying here. And she says, I've taken care of him for 20 years. I've patched him up at home and I'm not leaving his side now. And I, I really liked that i thought that that it, again the family dynamic of these three nolan mark and deborah is really neat and i think it's being fleshed out well through these first two episodes and there's also a little bit of a sting to it when she says that because of what we know right that she clearly does not know and you're like man if you only knew why he was the one alive and here but at the same time, you know, it's a wife taking care of her husband. And um, I, I don't know, I really enjoyed the setup here. It definitely makes me wonder, Aaron, if they're going to create some tension where she finds out and does she stay with him? Does she still love him as much? I think that's going to be an angle that they take because I don't think you can keep this kind of secret from your family. So the, the bigger question I think that's going to be asked as the season goes on is, will his family find out and then how will they react? Um, and in their own way, you know, how will, how will she react? How will, how will Mark react? So it's, it's definitely setting up a nice, it, it's a great opening to a second episode where you have establishing shots that remind you of what happened before, as you said, and now you're advancing the story just a little bit more with this fight downtown. I really liked this whole bit with this alien race that we come to find out about as the episode goes on. I'm always impressed with cartoon shows or animated series that are able to pack a whole lot of mythology into stuff. What if does a really great job of this in the 30 or 35 minutes that they have per episode, but this is equally as good 
this is where Invincible wants to take up the reins. He's like, I've got to do something. I want to be like my dad. I need to take care of this. He heads down and he finds these, what I called little green men before I found out who they were because they were, I mean, that's a great thing. You know, they're little green men. They're attacking. There's a standardization here. It's like, Oh yeah, look, they're attacking until people's blood starts flying at Invincible. And he's like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, yes, I feel the same way. Like this is not your grandfather's cartoon show. Like we are, we are seeing people explode. We are seeing guts everywhere. You know, it's just that, that cold open didn't give us enough. He is trying to battle. He goes into it and he's promptly blasted back, but he's able to rescue an old lady for the time being and uh, knock out one of the green dude's eyes. That guy becomes significant. So it's like his little nemesis for 32 minutes because he keeps coming back these creatures are ready to send in the big guns, but are miraculously deus ex, deus ex machina <laughs> interrupted by some new superheroes. I got really excited. We got new superheroes, Aaron. You know, we had the the faux Justice League that got completely assassinated. And now we have very on the nose names of Atom Eve, Rexplode, Duplicate, and Robot. <laughs> But I thought I thought this new crew was fantastic. I love this introduction of uh, of this new group. Yeah, I did too. First thing I wrote down was "hottie alert" when I saw Adam Eve. Because I was <laughs> like, "Okay, here we go." Uh, but I think that the alien animation is really good as well. I actually wrote down that I love the animation. I like that there were some scenes where we transitioned from a one POV to another where instead of just like pull back and watching it all happen in frame, we would be behind Mark as he was flying. I thought that was really cool. I, again, I appreciated the brutality. When people get shot with giant lasers in this world, they explode, and that makes sense. They don't just go, ooh, there's a little bit of puffy black smoke, and then I fall over and I go, my arm hurts. No, it's gone. It is evaporated, and I, I like that. Uh, the names, what is... Extra hilarious is that they're literally called the Teen Team. Like their name is Teen Team. It is completely <laughs> stupid and boring. But the names are awesome. Like Duplicate is sick. I'm sorry. We talked about this last week about how hard it is to iterate or to be creative in this space anymore because so much has been done. And you create this character that has multiple versions of themselves. And what a perfect name. And then to name somebody rexplode that is like obviously a pun play on the word explode fantastic robot such a cool character gets a time to shine later in the episode voiced by zachary quinto and sounds like he's doing his spock and i it just thought works. the exact same thing i was like so where's perfectly. kurt coming in to, to help you out dude just a second that's awesome i i loved it and and then the i can't remember who he says it to but I think it's one of, is it one of the aliens? I can't remember. Maybe it's to Adam Eve. He's talking to Adam Eve right after they meet, when they go to high school, right after this scene. I think that's what happens after that. But he says, I'm, and he pauses, and he says, invincible. And then he, he pauses for a half second, and he goes, gosh, it sounds dumb when I say it like that. And I was just immediately going, yes, Mark, yes, it does. I said that last episode. It's a stupid name. So at least... You're self-aware about it, and I, yeah. I can get on board now. I hope that there are jokes about these other names from the teen team, honestly, because I think that, that Kirkman is leaning right into the absurdity of some of these names and the, the on-the-noseness of them in order to call out their absurdity and their, their goofiness and silliness. Because 
what I think this show is trying to do, what the story is trying to tell, at least in part, is to is to really usurp the notion of what superheroes are, who they are, how they can be unconventional. And I, and I like that. I think that's a good angle to take. After a, a trip to the hospital, after the fight, Invincible takes this old lady to the what I call the super hospital, the Pentagon, wherever it is, and regretful that he wasn't able to do as much as he could. He says something like, I wanted, he wanted to be like dad to his mom. And, and then we're back at the school where Mark, in his plain clothes, is walking through the hall. And he's talking to his best friend. I love his best friend. His best friend's trying to be sympathetic. And then that's when you mentioned that he, he notices Eve and makes that comment. It's, it's so funny. It's such a great... And it's, it's really one of those things where you don't expect that to happen because you think, oh... I know who she is, but she probably doesn't know who I am. So I'm going to kind of play with this like a Smallville thing where I'm not going to tell Lana that I'm I'm Superman, that I have these powers, and that's going to be the thing. Nope. He's like, hey, yesterday, thanks for saving me. And she's like, oh, he's totally cool, like saying, I'm a superhero. He's basically Iron Man of high school, not afraid to say who he is. Probably a bad decision in the grand scheme of things, but hey, you know, you're going to be a teenager. You're going to have powers. I would probably do the same thing here. Yeah, I agree. I I think him saving her is a pretty cool thing to kind of progress throughout this one episode too because it's one person. In the midst of a giant battle downtown, he saved one person and he is very much unable to get that out of his head. Like it matters to him. That's kind of different, I think, than a lot of superhero stories that we see. We see people saving hundreds and thousands at a time, but he is really having a hard time about this one person and he's he's worried about her. And I, I really like that. But I yeah, I like the moment of them coming together and going out and hanging out and getting to know each other and the idea that there's like all these random hidden superheroes in a school and none of them even know each other exist. But then it started making me think about like, well, okay, how many more of these superheroes are there that we don't know about yet (laughs) that are hiding out there in the mist? And then I thought that it was sweet having Mark and Adam Eve have this almost like rom-com-ish moment, but then it's interrupted by, you know, her kissing Rexplode. And I was like, wow, That kind of ruins my fun because I thought, you know, superhero and superhero romance is really fun and interesting to see play out. A lot of times we'll see it where, you know, Spider-Man has the the normal girlfriend, the, the normal teenage girlfriend. She's not got any powers, but now we have two people that can relate to each other in that age group. And I thought that that was fun. And I'm, and I'm, would be willing to bet that we're not done with that yet. Oh, I wouldn't think so. I mean, even with someone as great as Amber in the wings there, I think we're going to have a love triangle or a square or a pentagon, you know, whatever. I forgot about Amber later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to her. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the scene at the school stadium next where they're talking about the teen team, who she's a part of, and how it's the fourth best superhero team. So we have three others that exist fight force is mentioned but she says they're not as good as us so there's at least five if we go with the verbal math here and we don't assume that justice league is an actual thing then we've got three potential other superhero groups that we've not met yet so that excited me i was like are we gonna see more absurdly named teen groups that are alliterative and we'll hold off because i got some things to say about alliteration in this episode okay they go downtown she meets 
he meets the rest of the team, like you said, including her boyfriend, Mr. Uh, Rex Splode, who is just crazy obnoxious and fun at the same time. Like he is so over the top with his personality and it makes perfect sense. I mean, he's Rex Splode. Like this is personality meets superhero. I don't know which came first, the superhero power or the attitude, but I'm willing to bet it was a close, you know, one, one a, when it came to like, which came first. Um, I think it's robot who is the voice of reason in all this, or at least the voice of non contractions. He's kind of like data from Star Trek, the next generation. And he tells them that, okay, there's this group that has invaded when they die or whatever. And he tells them it's because of the fact that they were old, that they hit this time, you know, they hit our timeline and their timeline did not match theirs. It was out of sync, which I think is such a cool idea, Aaron. Like, this is like, wow. Okay. We're introducing neat sci-fi stuff here and like parallel universes and, you know, something like, like out of interstellar, like what takes place a day here. It's like three, three years there or something like that. It's so fantastic. And, um, it's here that, that, um, we find out more about them, that they're called the Flaxons. And then at that point, Cecil's talking to him and then he teleports. So what's your theory? Do you think that he has a wristwatch or something that allows him to teleport? Do you think he's superhuman or do you think more, you know, what do you think about this guy? Is he, is he not of this world? Cecil, I think it's tech. No, okay. I think it's tech. Just like the invisibility tech. Cool military, high grade stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. I would agree. Cause I don't think he looks very super heroic in, you know, his scar. I'm curious what, where that came from. I hope we get an origin story about that. But apart from that, he seems pretty human to me. Agreed. And I, and I agree that I like having an alien race that has a little bit of a reason to have empathy for them. Obviously it's not okay to just come here and destroy and murder everybody to take over our planet, but you at least have an understanding of why they're doing that and not just because they don't like us, you know, like they just, <laughs> they just are intentionally out conquering. And I, I thought the Flaxen was a cool name too. And just, I, I think by putting a specific villain, this alien race and having an encounter with them at the very beginning of this episode, and then having multiple encounters with them throughout the episode as they go away and they think about it, they change their tactics and come back and try something else a couple different times. That was really fun to me and, and special because usually it's it's one time. It's so one note. It kind of ratcheted up this villain into a different place than just, just the normal big bad for an episode of TV. Yeah. I also like the fact that in their progression, Robot's reaction when they finally sort of figure it all out, he says, essentially, let's just nuke the place. You know, I'm sorry, we're out of options. Let's just nuke. And Rex Blood's like, great, Debbie Downer. Thanks for being part of the team. <laughs> yeah, that was, he's, yeah, he's like, we're, we're not going to be able to succeed. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's a big deal. <laughs> it's like, we need more optimism with the team team here, Robot. You're not really cutting it, getting the mustard there. They're back at the crime scene after Cecil teleports, and here we're introduced to Damien Darkblood, demon detective, uh, and he's on the case. So he has this ability, apparently, to touch blood from the crime scene and sort of envision the murder itself, but not necessarily the perp. So he's on the case. Do you like Damien Darkblood? What do you think of him? I love him. He's one of my favorite parts of this episode, and I want <laughs> so much more. I know there's an Adam Eve spinoff thing 
I've seen it that it exists, and I hope that there is like a Damien Dark Blood origin story special soup you know adventures with damien dark blood just him solving cases he's kind of like hellboy i love him i thought he was amazing and when he gets like scolded yeah he 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 takes it he almost like he takes it a little bit hard yeah and i was he's not like hellboy in the sense that he's angry seeming he's a little more soft yeah i just i love him love the name i'm all all for it (laughs) So we'll probably get some more of, of Damien Darkblood here. Back at school, Mark runs into Amber, the potential love interest or a potential love interest. Tells her he has a strategy for dealing with Todd. I let him hit me until he gets bored and goes home. I don't know how that would play with the rest of the, the school who think you're kind of a freak at that point. But, you know, if that's going to get Todd off your back, then go for it. I, I do have a theory here. I think Amber and her interest in Mark... I, I think she's a superhero. That's my that's my theory. I, I think that she's not just a pretty face. I think she's going to have some significance to Mark. And I think she's part of one of the first three superhero groups that that uh, that Eve says are better than than Teen Team. So just going to put that that's out there. Interesting theory. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, then outside, even Mark go flying. This is the second episode where I, I remember the poppy theme music not theme music but the the use of poppy music here to sort of accent the scene the first one was the montage of of mark getting his powers and i thought that was really great i didn't get a chance to um to look up what the songs were but i'd like to because they're both really really great and they fit really perfectly in this scene i liked watching them figure out each other and fly and just basically have a date day as friends in the air (laughs) and i like how when mark uh when they get to the point where she's kissing Rex Blow, they're like all grounded again and he's meeting the rest of the group. Yeah. And he, he talks to Kate and he says, which one of you do I look at when I, when we talk? I, I mean, <laughs> right. There's like three of them around yeah. him. And I was like, that's a fair question. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who do I make eye contact with? And I, I will say this in the battle sequences. It's interesting when I see her fight and those, the alien, the flaxons kill her. Like she has to be really quick to duplicate herself because I think if they got her quick enough, she would be dead because all of her duplicates, they're not disappearing. They're not like turning into dust. They are literally like being bloodied and dying. And I wonder in my whole like mythology of, of this crew, like, does she feel that pain? How does she control them? I was going to ask you of the new superheroes, which one did you find the most curious? And I think duplicate is probably the one that I find the most intriguing. What about you? If, if we're going with the word intriguing, yes, I will say duplicate and her powers. Okay, well, what about I'm favorite? Curious. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm an Adam Eve guy. <laughs> Not only just because, you know, she's a hottie, but she has a cool power, which seems to be more defensive in nature. I, I think mm-hmm. she's constantly throwing up these shields, which I thought was really neat. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like um, not Captain, one of the Fantastic Four, I think. Uh, do they have... Is it that? maybe I don't, is that not Sue Storm? Does. No, I think it's I think it's Mr. Fantastic who's able to manipulate his body. I guess that's what it is, where he's able to mm. you know bend and stuff like that. But she's she's got a little bit of um, Green Lantern in her, where she can kind of make stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that makes sense. And then of course Rex Blood is just the fun guy of the of the crew. Not fun guy as in like fungi, but the fun guy. He's has, the one that's gonna die first. You I, think he doesn't have he doesn't have enough. <laughs> 
anything unique about him and he's in the way to the romance. I, I have a feeling that Rex Splode is not going to be around for the long haul. That's my theory. Do you think he's going to implode or rimplode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Rim. <laughs> That's kind of a gambit, gambit superhero thing where he's throwing stuff like almost like, like flammable, flammable yeah, coins. I mean, it looks like he's throwing little bombs. I don't know. He, he doesn't really interest me. Well, he's, he doesn't impress Mark either. Clearly robot, is there to backbrief the team. This is, I think, at like Teen Team HQ is what I'm going to call it. He's backbriefing all them on um, what he knows, and he's created like this early warning system for when the Flaxons return. And Rex is like, what is that all about? And we find out later that that's a very useful tool. And he says, hey, Invincible, we could totally use your help. And Invincible's like, I'm not sure. He's still kind of struggling with this whole thing with the, um, with the old lady. And that's when we get back to the hospital where Mark is talking to his dad, who's awake. Or no, he's not. So he's not awake yet. But he's talking to his dad about his meeting with the teen team, talks to his mom about how hard the superheroing is. Really nice little moments with his parents, just being able to, you know, it's very familiar scenes, like you're in the hospital with someone who's in a coma and you're talking to them like, yeah, they can't respond, but I know they can hear me. We get that with him. And then his mom is very sympathetic to what he's dealing with because she's dealing with this stuff too. And I, I like these moments with Mark and his mom. I feel like their relationship is going to get a lot stronger as the series goes on, uh, especially if she finds out about Nolan. But I think we're getting set up for some really good stuff here uh, between him and her uh, before the scene ends where he goes to visit Maya, who's the old lady. And man, I love the artwork here, how she looks like she's all battered and bruised. Like the way that they make her look with all these bruises, it's just, she looks fragile. And I think that his empathy for her and that, that kind of weight that he feels is sort of on visual display here. Yes. That's kind of what I was getting at when I said it was, I really appreciated how much he cared about her and he definitely seems to be concerned with her. Well, like whether or not she's going to make it probably because she's his first, that might be a large part of it. And she's also elderly, but I'd like to think that Mark is just a little bit different and, a little more extra caring than some other superheroes may be. And I also had made a note about the notes, just like you did. I loved that scene between he and his mom and specifically like her telling him your dad's strength is not talking about things, but that I can be that for you. And I think as we go forward and we eventually are going to have to reckon with the reality of what Nolan did and they're going to find out at some point, the closer that those two become, the better. I just think it's, again, lovely building of the whole family unit relationship here and not throwing away any one part of it. Uh, Deborah's not the superhero, but she gets a lot of time to show that she's an important member of this family and that they don't work the way they need to without her. Not all heroes wear capes, Aaron. Some of them wear dresses or other things, not capes. <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, quick scene at the Teen Team HQ. The EWS starts going off. Uh, this happens a couple of times. I like, the, I like the storyboarding of this where you have like the beginning stages of an attack. This happened two times in this episode that I pointed out when I was watching it. I noticed that you had this quick scene of like, oh, we've got aliens, but we're not going to go there just yet. Like it doesn't go right into the, the battle, which is kind of neat to kind of just let you know, okay, this is happening. 
because then we're back at school where Mark is talking to William. We find out that's his best friend's name, William, about Eve. And then he sees her leave and goes after her. Uh, Amber comes up and asks William if Mark is dating Eve, to which he responds. He is super available. You want his number? I'll write it down for you. I don't know why William is playing Cupid here. I think he just looks at Mark and like, man, you're my best friend. Maybe you're desperate. Maybe I need you to be happy because you're not or whatever. But he's a, he's a good friend. And I think he's trying to just hook his boy up with, with love in any capacity. If it's can't be Eve because apparently she's dating somebody. Yeah, cute scene. I just had made note that this dude is a really great wingman. Because he is always trying to get Mark hooked up with a girl. And yes. No matter which girl, just any girl. Right. <laughs> it's like everybody needs this guy. <laughs> he's the maverick to, or he's the goose to uh, yeah. Mark's maverick, I guess you could say. There we go. Yeah. Then we're downtown, fights on. The teen team comes together to fight the Flaxons for the second time. And this guy I'm calling One Eye, who got his eye blown out by by Mark, has gotten older, and he's gotten a snazzy coat, Aaron. Like, this is kind of, I think he's now, like, the king of something. Like, he's, I don't know how long it's been. It's been maybe a decade, uh, longer than three days, according to Robot. But he's definitely aged and definitely gotten some more authority and looks a little bit cooler. What they find out is that the Flaxons have found a way to not get any older while in this dimension. And then we get that great second battle where we have some action, we've got some struggle, Invincible's finding some insane strength. According to Rex, he is, quote, going psycho. Like, that's where he finds his strength. Interesting seeing Eve almost suffocating, that that was allowed him to break out of the cement or something and basically go postal on one eye before we find out about the disruption of the time stream being due to the uh, the bracelets that they have, and they start to destroy them. But this is a interesting moment, Aaron, because I think we're getting hints of dad in Mark, this sort of angry streak, this sort of id coming out. It gets me curious, like, is this is this going to be a blessing or a curse for, for him and for, you know, the teen team at this point? Interesting. Yeah, I didn't really worry too much about that. I did note the same, though, that he, he certainly has like a little bit of a rage moment. I did think it was really cool just the whole ability of robot to figure out that there was this frequency they could use to essentially shut them all down. The fact that they do it two different ways is fun. You know, like he tells them to target them. And so they target them with attacks in the beginning, but then he uses that whatever major EMP essentially. I wasn't quite buying the first method. Like that's a lot of like precision target that you're you're hitting a lot yeah so i mean maybe maybe (laughs) one out of four but yeah i was glad that his method came to fruition because i was going to be like really guys i don't think you're going to be able to take down all these aliens and knock out their bracelets with that kind of precision i mean the way rex throws his stuff i don't know that any other team member could be any closer uh, maybe, right. uh, maybe out of me, but, but yeah, I was, I was loving, I was loving the fact that robot was like, I got this guys. <laughs> I got you fam. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to handle this with a, a little bit of science and science the crap out of this for you. And that's what happens. You know, they start aging again. And then one, I was like, dad, come on, you know, until next time, you know, and he goes back into the portal <laughs> until we meet them again later. And that's the end of round two. Yeah. We're back at the, uh, the hospital. Nolan's awake. Yay. 
maybe not yay and um he's okay to come home we do find out that maya didn't make it and mark is clearly upset like it's such a weird contrast in this moment aaron where nolan's like come on let's go get some food i'm starving and mark kind of shrugs him off like he you know moves his shoulder and then nolan looks at the orderly and is like i need my suit back you better give it to me and his wife's like what's going on here so there's just some weirdness happening here that we're being privy to and but it's it's nice weirdness because we're like i don't know what's going to happen next <laughs> and and that's what we're meant to think at this point all right so now we're home mark and nolan are doing a bit of training in the sky and they're interrupted by Cecil, who tells them about a familiar foe who needs to be stopped. At this point in the episode, what comes next felt a lot like this weird cold open. Like, we're meant to think one thing, and we're sort of thrown something else. And I'm feeling like Kirkman is drunk at some points when he starts writing these stories, because he like goes, <laughs> hey, let's do this. And then he comes to his senses like, okay, back to the story. And this next scene, as hilarious and entertaining as it was, just felt weird to me because, again, had nothing to do with the story, had no connection, in my, in my opinion. Now, maybe you can find that connection, but it was fun to watch this, uh, <laughs> this whole bit with, um, what was his name, Alan? This, <laughs> this Alan the Alien. Alien named Alan, who is an evaluation officer. So Mark flies up and to space and he starts fighting this dude uh i love that he has to hold his breath because he can't yeah, breathe that's in insane. space I, that was crazy like when he like takes a deep breath and i'm just <laughs> like what is come on man like he's going underwater like i mean it's funny or it's interesting but like you're really pushing the limits of my believability here he's <laughs> in the middle of a fight well his name's invincible i mean if you can accept that then we can accept pretty much anything luckily alan has telepathy so when they have a conversation he can still be holding his breath yes as well yeah <laughs> so they're fighting and they talk telepathically and mark's like hey wait wait we, we let's talk and alan says you mean you need a timeout and this is where it just gets goofy so seth rogan plays the voice of alan and i don't think anybody else could play the voice of alan based off of what we're seeing here it's great this one-eyed dude who says that he's an evaluation officer he's coming to check out according to a request made by the planet to check out and make sure hey you've got your superhero on lock that's capable of taking care of the planet and come to find out it was urath not earth that was requesting this evaluation officer and so he's basically like my bad i think there's a repeat of that invincible joke i'm alan by the way Invincible. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Little optimistic, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I just fought you, and I think you're quite invincible. I love this one. I thought <laughs> Seth Rogen's perfect for this in, like, small doses, as you told me. You know, he can work, and he nails this character. The idea that Nolan would know what this guy was all about, and... Instead of telling Mark that this is an evaluation officer and you'll be fine, he just says, you can handle this. He's not that tough. And so he lets Mark go fight as if he had no idea, which is the way it probably should best be evaluated without him having known that it was a test. So I like that about it. I, I just thought it was really fun world building, fleshing out this this evaluation officer 
for first of all the fact it reveals to us that there is a coalition of planets that exists in the galaxy somewhere and they have this evaluation officer that goes out and ensures each planet is properly protected which i think is it's just a fascinating idea there's like this governance for superheroes out in the world and it made me really interested and intrigued as to what and, and it happens in a comedic way which i agree is done to provide levity in the middle of the episode but i really liked it more so just because of the world building it provides and no one is going to deliver that line and, and it work yeah in the funny way it needs to but yeah. it works when he does it so yeah. I, I really loved it i obviously don't need this every episode and i don't need it to be any longer than it was i thought it was great for what it was sure for sure yeah and I, I don't i don't disagree that it definitely sets up some great world building and allows us to understand the the bigness of that and and i think it's it's made complete by that very last scene before we kick to the next one where you have mark on the moon and there's this great wide shot of the earth and he goes wow like he's just sort of expanded his capabilities and like oh i can do this this is something new and different that i never thought considering that last episode he blacked out when he got to space so He's growing. He's growing up as a as a super lad, super super boy, super man, or whatever he is. And then back at the Grayson home, there's a quick conversation between Nolan and Cecil. He's recapping what he recalls his events of the of the incident. Cecil's not convinced, and I don't know if Cecil's not convinced because he thinks Nolan's hiding something, or he just is confused about it. But definitely is not on board with uh, with Nolan's version of the story. And then the next day, Todd comes up and apologizes to Mark in probably the most hilarious way hilarious. possible. Shut it, Grayson. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry I kicked your ass. I, I don't know what you're saying. I'm sorry I kicked your ass, okay? Oh. Thanks, I guess. Amber Bennett also wants to know if you'd like her number. What? Do you want Amber's phone number, nerd? Yes, but why are you... Because she found some old photos of me, okay? Photos she said she'd delete if I did this one stupid thing and then never talk to you again. There. Have a crappy life with her. Suck. Photos of what, Todd? Don't push your luck, Grayson. <laughs> I just... This is great. I hope we see Todd again. I think Todd's going to be a nice dude to to come back and revisit every once in a while. But that was really, really funny. I, I love how that sort of resolves itself. Yeah, I mean, we just we continue to have this set in the high school, and it is an interesting juxtaposition for a show to deal with both the hardcore nature of superhero backstabbing murder and the brutal bloodiness of alien invasions while also doing this grounded high school thing that we've seen done in Spider-Man for so long. It's a really neat blending that I'm having a blast with going back and forth. Well, you know me, I love movies and TV shows that take place in high school. So this is hitting yes. right up my wheelhouse. <laughs> Meanwhile, the flax sons are back and so is one eye. Even older, more technologically advanced. I mean, why not? Because it's been a few minutes or a few days or a few years or a lot of years, depending. Based on how Nolan looks after he visits their planet, I'm going to tell you they definitely have a different time. I think that's what it's showing us. Because if you notice when he comes back, he's like super beard and, and definitely has aged. Yeah, 
I like I like older Nolan. He looks kind of cool, man. He's uh, he does. He's somewhat, you know, regal in that in that look, even though he's little, an assassin. George Clooney in him. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to describe it. Very George Clooneyan. Yeah. Uh, there's more battling, and all seems lost when suddenly Omni Man comes to the rescue, and pretty much single handedly drives the Flaxons back through the portal and goes through it himself. Now I want to make an observation here, Aaron, because. In any other TV show with superheroes, this would seem normal to me. Like, oh, yeah, Superman type guy able to battle all these guys and then push them back. In this case, though, Mark's not able to and he's invincible, not just in name, but maybe in power. The teen team is not able to. But Omni-Man has this capability to take all this firepower and then basically like snap his way into the oblivion of this race. And that tells me that he's got powers beyond like relatively speaking, like his powers exceed other superheroic powers. Like he really is a Superman, like almost a God at this point. No one is his equal at this point. Like he is very much his own person. And it makes me wonder and continue to wonder what his motives are for the things that he's doing. The fact that he goes into the, the dimension and doesn't, negotiate with them or say stop messing with our planet but completely destroys like eliminates this entire civilization over the course of you know what would be years but maybe a few hours uh, it, it was very very sobering to watch this yeah you are spot on about like his power is legit and that makes sense because he did specifically say you know the viltramites were sent to be one of one and protect one single planet you know, by themselves, which leads you to wonder both because of that backstory and then because of how he words it when he is taking out their entire planet, essentially. If, you know, I forgot how, what he specifically says. I think he says something like, you think you're going to come here and rule my my planet like you're not. It, he essentially is alluding to the fact that it's his. It's mine. It's not yours. That's how it comes out. And so is this a matter of ego for him that he just wants to take out the other superheroes because he's supposed to be the only one or is there some order, other sort of and to protect the planet still like is he still trying to protect the earthlings or does he have some other agenda does he want to rule or control the earthlings in some way because he has not shown us that in any shape or form yet his only actions were against superheroes and or invaders which is interesting i did wonder if it's absolutely certain that it was him that murdered all of them. I would assume so because Damien seems to believe that and is brushed off uh, for saying so. But there is still a question in my mind of whether, maybe whether or not he knows what he did. I think it's probably pretty safe to say that he does. But this scene, man, this was rough because this was going beyond just stopping the action this was pushing back and murdering women and children it was made very clear intentionally to us that that is what he was doing with no remorse it was troubling it <laughs> to was. say the least to see this guy play the jekyll and hyde card flipping in an instant when he comes home and he's just dad again it's scary mm -hmm. and it makes me just wonder what this is going to do to the family again i'm just Thinking ahead, like, how is this going to play 
when they find out. There's no way that his wife and son do not find out about all this craziness. So the the end of the episode unofficially is the newscaster reporting that the Guardians are dead. And then we get like a couple of quick credits and then we have the mid-credits scene or something. <laughs> and I wrote, it's an HQ in parentheses, not teen team. So this is maybe back at the not Pentagon or whatever it is. Damien Darkblood is insinuating that the assassination was an inside job to which Cecil is like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to believe that. Get out of here. And as you alluded to earlier, he basically like scolds Damien Darkblood. He's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> it's funny. You know, he walks off and that's where the episode leaves us. So we have a lot of appropriately enough unanswered questions that um, leave us wanting more. And that's, that's kind of where we're at on that. So good episode. Did you like the, the second entry of the, the first season here, Aaron? Yeah. I mean, I loved it. I'm, I'm really all in at this point. I'm just extremely intrigued. And if we weren't covering it the way that we are, I would be, I would be binge watching it, which is not always the case for me these days. It takes a lot for a show to really grab my attention and make me want to do that. But I would have just let it keep rolling instantly. Uh, had I not been pulling back on that on purpose. So it, it makes me anxious for the whole next week. I'm excited to get to watch another episode and, and find out what happens. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, that'll wrap it up this episode of an original series. Uh, next week, we are bringing you episode three entitled, Who You Call It Ugly? I don't know if that's the way it's said in the episode. I hope it's said that way, or at least said it all. I love it when a title makes its way into an episode of tv or a movie that makes me get a little ding right there so i'm excited to to check it out appreciate you listening until then i'm patch he's aaron we are out of here